Hi, this is Bill. And this is Anastas. And we are the Uncommon Wealth Podcast. Today we're going to dip into pop culture. Yeah. And really relevant pop culture. Yeah, super relevant. And uh, before we continue, uh, bad words, they happen, we do it. Yep, it's, uh, we make it's, them. It's shameful, but you know. We're bad people. We're, we're, it's a thing. But yeah, today we're going to talk about comic books. And, yeah. and a comic book creator. And yes. an artiste. Yes. And an influencer. Yeah. Not like the Instagram influencers, but no. a real influencer. Like somebody who actually influenced people. Yes. I, and, I, and I hope I say it right, but it's Steve Ditko. Yep. With the, he pronounced the T. Yeah. Those, those gosh darn foreigners, man. Those okay. gosh darn foreigners. I can say it because I am a gosh I know. darn foreigner. Yeah. That's cool. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to dip into his life. And yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's closer to your, to your heart than he's to mine. I mean, Steve but, Ditko's the man. Yeah. He's... He's one of those legendary comic creators, though not quite as well known as the Stan Lee's. Obviously, is probably the most famous. Mm. Who who make Captain America? Kirby, right? Kirby. It's yeah, in the notes. So. <laughs> We're gonna talk about. Oh, okay. It. I I just um, remember reading about yeah, it. Like I knew that. Yeah, Kirby that too, but. created Cap. Um, Stan Lee worked on a ton with Kirby. Worked on several with Ditko. Uh, there's guys like Bob Kane who worked at DC and DC's predecessor, uh, Timely Comics who helped create Batman uh, alongside uh, Bill... I forget his last name. Starts with a P. I should know it. Mm. Pineda. Nope. But anyway, yeah. watch. There, there's a documentary about the making of Batman. That's, and it's like the real making of Batman. It's very interesting. Hmm. But oh, That's cool. Yeah, Steve Ditko is one of those guys who's talked about in, those, in that light um, is creating characters that we all know and love. Um, maybe not all. Well, now we all know and love him because of Marvel. Thank you, Disney. And yeah, but he also created other characters for like DC. Mm-hmm. Um, but his most famous is definitely Marvels. One of their most famous characters ever, and best-selling characters ever. Right. And we'll and we'll uh, we'll go into all that detail very soon. But do you have um? So what's your what's your favorite of his comics? Or I guess that I, would reveal. I it, don't so. want to reveal yeah, it. Yeah. So but we'll, we'll, there's we'll, two that I love more than any others um how do they make you feel bill it's, good. Of, it's like one of those like thought exercises where you describe it without saying it yeah i know, know it's really good it's um makes you feel good it's relatable um one of them the other is just surreal and really just fun interesting colors and designs and mysticism yes actually yes yeah see um i know things too and <laughs> and you've all, most of you have probably seen movies with them. Yes, yes, yes. Especially the big one that came out like two weeks ago or a week ago. Or yeah. two weeks ago from, uh, from the point this It's made over a billion out. dollars already. Yes. A, um, in the industry, it's called a shitload of money. Yes. It's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the technical term. Uh, it's made all of the dollars. All, yep, all of them. And the yen, too. And the yen, too. Actually, I don't know if it came out in Japan yet. I know it came out in probably. China. It's, good. it's definitely out in China. Yeah, it's it's doing a lot of money in China. Yeah, probably. really well there. Yeah. Wow. Because... Avengers just prints money. Yes. It do- oh. Oh. You spoil. Spoiler alert. Spoil. Uh, he never. Oh. Oh man. Spoiler alert. We'll talk about it. We're not gonna. Uh, this is gonna be a spoiler free episode. By the way, like don't. Yeah. Worry we're about not gonna it. talk not about gonna Endgame. Talk about how like you know mind blowing. Ant Man goes into Thanos' butthole. Like we're not gonna. We're not, <laughs> you know, we won't reveal that part yet. And expands and. It's we won't talk about how. The, they, the crazy oral sex scene with Thor in the first ten minutes. Yeah, like it was, it was uh, honestly a bold choice. Surprising yep. but bold. I liked it. Yep. Very graphic though. Very graphic. Yep. Thought there should have been a warning. There were children in the audience. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was insane. And then like Gamora just started doing the Macarena for no reason. Yeah, it's just Macarena. It made no sense. It's like it didn't work. It made no sense at all. But it did work. Yeah. Spoiler alert, guys. Because they had to show off Zoe Saldana could dance. Yeah, specifically the Macarena. Classically trained dancer. <laughs> doing the Macarena. <sighs> well, should we get into it? Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll uh, start off in his early life. How about that? Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. I gave a, a crisp a thumbs, thumbs up. up. A, a crisp thumbs up. You can I just mean, hear it. I've been saying crisp for all kinds of things lately. Crisp high fives. Crispy mayo. It's a throwback. We haven't used yeah, that in a while. we haven't not used that in a while. I Especially could, with all the, all the Burger King oh, references, too. It's, I know. It fits right in. I got a cheesesteak yesterday that you would have hated. Hmm. Well, not, there was no mayo on it. Okay. But it was sauce and onions, and mushrooms and peppers. Sounds good. And then pepperoni and bacon. The, ba- the, the, the bacon is just like because I've had them before them, you know, I, yeah. I'll i see them appear but I'll still eat that shit too yeah, it's but great. it's just like so much dude I was so so over. salty so I needed much I had a um, everything I could get and then I, destroyed the fries I had a cafeteria um, cheesesteak oh it's not the same and like okay yes but they use them Amoroso roll still okay which is great I was like okay. yeah hell yeah it's not a hot dog bun you know but there's there's different stages of good to bad cheesesteaks. It's it's a it's a it's a whole scale of it. And I'm I'd probably I'd probably eat years before I, I would eat the cafeteria one again. But <laughs> well, yeah, I had I the roll so. though, so it was legit. It still, was, it was very good cheese too. It wasn't whiz, but it was uh, provolone. Mm. It was really good. Provolone's great. Okay, all right, let's do it. So the uh, the the very beginnings of of, uh, of Steve Dicko's life. So he was born in um, in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Yep. He was born on November second. Of 1927, it's crazy when you when you look at like how far long how long ago that was. It's <laughs> crazy, almost a hundred years. <laughs> oh man, it's mind blowing. But yeah, 1927. Uh, he was the son of uh, of uh, first generation uh, immigrants from Czechoslovakia. Specifically, they were a, a Carpatho Rusin. So oh, okay. it was a it was a ethnic group. I think thank you, an ethnic group in Czechoslovakia, which is I think now that group was in. If you look at the map now, it was Slovakia. Czechoslovakia doesn't okay. exist anymore. Uh, there, they were uh, Stephen and Anna Ditko. Um, again, Stephen was the dad's name, so I guess it's Stephen Jr. Mm-hmm. But it's, anyway, so Stephen was an artistically trained uh, master carpenter at a steel mill, and Anna was a housewife. Okay, and I just I like the I like the word artistically because again, this well, is this it's it's uh, part of who he is, right? And his, and his family identity and his identity, yeah, because his dad was. Was a uh, was a good carpenter. Yeah, master carpenter. Master surfer. carpenter. Uh, just good. Yes, yes, master carpenter. Be respectful. <laughs> you got ep- epaulets and everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Ditko, he found his interest in comics uh, with the introduction of of Batman. Actually, in 1939, we obviously mentioned Batman earlier, yep. and also with uh, Will Eisner's uh, comic, The Spirit, which appeared in a in a, in a comic book insert in, on, in a Sunday newspaper. Uh, his father, actually, the previously mentioned Master Carpenter, he was also into comics as well, into uh, comic strips, specifically uh, Hal Foster's Prince Valiant. Who the fuck doesn't love Prince Valiant? I don't think I've... Uh, I've, I've um, Bill literally hit me. <laughs> Sorry, I got your glasses. That yeah, it's was... okay. I, uh, I've, I don't think I've seen it. I'm sure if I Google it, a, which I'm going to do right now. It's a Sunday now. comic. It's Prince Valiant. It's sword and sorcery type stuff. And again, it's amazing how those Sunday comics, like, last still get they're reprinted still, they still get reprinted yeah um oh i've seen these yeah prince valiant man. well now now she didn't hit me now <laughs> <laughs> it's okay so but it was yeah, a gentle slap so 
so there was support there. You know, his, his father was into it. He was into yeah. it. There was mutual interest, which is great when you look at other people that we've covered from right. Pennsylvania who, who have not artistic, uh, who had parents that were who did not understand, not into the whole. Parents just don't understand, man. <laughs> I'm going to put on my Velvet Revolver and Paramore, and I'm going to paint my eyelids black, my nails black, wear a studded belt, and go to the Hot Topic. And a choker. And a choker. Don't forget the choker. The male choker. Are male, are male chokers a thing? Have they ever been a thing? They should be Dude, a thing. they should be. I'm sure they are. I guess it's kind of like the whole like studded collar. Yes. Yeah, I guess that would probably be. Kind of like a choker. Yeah, kind of, it's basic. It's, yeah. Hmm. Or a torque, like ancient Celtic warriors wore. Yes. Prince Valley. Bill, Bill is smarter than, than all of us combined. That is not all true. All of the listeners combined. I just read a lot. That, it's part of being smart, Bill. It's a thing. That does not make me smarter than others. I'm just He's a, just being nice. He's I'm smarter just than a girl. you, audience. It, it, are you, oh, what's the next line of that? Living in captivity. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Gwen Stefani. Yep, that's, that's, that's bananas. Ooh. Uh, uh, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of detail in his early life, but he no. did he did enlist in the U.S. Army uh, after graduating uh, Johnstown High School. Uh, that was in October 26 of 1945. Again, this is after World yeah, War II after finished. The war. So October ended in April, right? Or May? May. I forget which one of the theaters ended in one month. The other theater yeah, ended in I got month. It. Well, but regardless. And anyway, so this was after that, and he served in post-war Germany. So he, so he served in Europe. And uh, he ended up drawing comics for the army newspaper there, so he Good. got to hone his craft, if you will. Beetle Bailey. Beetle Bailey. What's I, this reference? You this don't know Beetle very, Bailey? Very familiar, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I, he didn't draw Beetle Bailey, I'm sure, but Beetle Bailey is uh, it like an army comic? An army, like, it's in the Sunday comics, and it's army life, and Beetle's always trying to get out of work, and Sergeant's always trying to make him work. Oh, yeah, 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 this is adorable, because yeah. the, guy, the guy's got like a hat, looks, yeah. like, a, looks like a Beetle a little bit. Yeah. And you got like a funny hat. Yeah, yep, yep. I'm aware. I'm, I am. Uh, I am one with the comics. I used to when I was a kid. I would read the paper every day, but the only thing I would read was the sports section and the comics. Not even a kid. This was up through high school and into college. Mm. <laughs> like actually bringing newspapers in, into like home. No, no, no. Like I, I at breakfast. Mm. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I'd especially look for the football insert every week and be like, what, what's our, what's our ranking? <laughs> the, the thing with newspapers that draw me nuts is. Getting the way- ink on your hands. Well, yeah, dude. If you get like the early ones, or if it's raining outside, you're kind of screwed, and it's yep. really annoying. That's annoying. Also, the crinkly sounds that bothers you. Oh, yeah, man, I don't like it. Oh man, it's too, too crinkly, and it's like hard to like get everything positioned like and stuff. Yeah, triggers yeah. my ASMR. Yeah. Well. Oh boy. Oh this, boy. This is not crinkly newspaper. Oh boy. The tingles. The tingles. They got me. I'm in the tingles. Oh, oh boy. Bill's Bill's toes are curling. Uh, <laughs> it's not a sexual thing. Oh, I'm not saying. I'm just saying it feels good. Your toes can curl if you're happy. It's euphoric. Euphoric. Yes. Yes. Do you wanna Do you wanna uh, dip into his uh, yeah, his Marvel I'll start with years? The, the Marvel years. So after being discharged from the army, Dicko learned that his idol, Batman artist Jerry Robinson, was teaching at the Cartoonist and Illustrator School, um, which is later known as the School of Visual Arts in New York City. I've passed that school. What's, where where is it? Is it Manhattan, I'm assuming? Yes. Near the t- bottom. Like when you're crossing the ferry from Jersey mm. to the Port Authority, it's down in that region. I'm pretty sure that's the school. Cool. I think. I don't know. Don't take me at my word. I haven't been to New York in literal years. Like since college. And that's been a little while now. He hasn't been to, to New York City since Times Square became nice again. 
he still thinks of it as, as like a porno infested area, right? Right? Yeah. 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 Bill was alive in the seventies. Did you know that? I was. I I was there when Hell's <laughs> Kitchen was actual hell, instead of being the gentrified area it is now that Daredevil would not need to protect. Isn't it known as Clinton now? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, doesn't uh, matter. Uh, no, maybe not, because there's still a Hell's Kitchen Snapchat filter, because I got a Snapchat from people there. Uh, well, fuck New York. I mean... Cultural bastion of America, fuck you. Also where all of your favorite superheroes live. Yeah. Or Gotham, would, ooh, basically New York. You know who was Philly's protector for a minute in the Marvel comics? Who? Venom. Really? Yeah. Huh. Agent Venom, though. It's the whole thing. Oh, okay. Real cool. It's when Flash Thompson gets... He's... he's Working for the government and has the Venom symbiote. Thomas <laughs> Thomas under, understands and appreciates my references. But anyway. Learn something new today. He's cool. He's cool. He moved to New York in 1950 and he enrolled in the school under the GI Bill. Not surprising. And then Robinson was a mentor of his, like a direct mentor. And that's, gotta be, that's so cool. Oh, I, you, I, I, lo- I love reading a lot of that kind of stuff, man. That's... That just makes you feel good. Like, this dude grew up, you know, idolizing this dude. And, and yeah, worked, le- got to work with him under closely. Even, and be- made some pretty incredible stuff. Yeah. You, know, you could argue Batman-level stuff or not, but, like, it's I would amazing. argue one of them is definitely Batman-level. Definitely Batman-level. Yeah. Very, very cool. And I think Robinson said something about, like, he was in there four to five days a week every day, like, for two years, and would work these crazy hours. He's like, the kid just... He's, I think he said, like, because he's this old... I'm sure Robbins is like this old, like hard bitten uh, New York guy. <laughs> Even though he's an artist, he's like cigarette. Ah, the kid's working his his ass off. <laughs> do you think? Do you think the um, the newspaper? The, I I can't go into it without revealing anything. So um, I'll I'll talk about the later. newspaper. No, no, I'll talk about it later. The, okay. The, 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 the oh yeah, yeah. Bring me photos of yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Robinson actually helped Dicko get a scholarship, so he was off the GI Bill and just. Like, school was paid for. Nice. Robinson had this habit of inviting artists and editors to speak to his classes. And once he brought in Stan Lee. And at this point, Lee was the editor of Atlas Comics, which was the precursor to Marvel Comics. And after graduation, Dicko began professionally... That's, that's when they first met. That's the importance of that. Yeah. That's when he first saw Dicko's work. Stan Lee saw Dicko's work. And then after that, when Dicko had graduated... He began professionally illustrating comics in early 1953, drawing Bruce Hamilton's sci-fi story, Stretching Things. I thought you were going to have a joke about uh, stretching things. Yep. Oh, yeah. Stretch Armstrong. Yeah. Yep, yep. Or... Uh, long dongs. Long dongers. Long dong silver? Long dong silver. Big old dongs. A little, little before that with yep, yep, Defoe, yep, but it's yep, yep, yeah. Big old dongs. Yep. But... <laughs> This was for key public key publications imprint Stanmore Publications. So like a lot like, of like a sub. Yeah, they all have sub. Sub um, publication. They actually sold the story to Ajax Farrell, and it was finally published in Fantastic Fears number five, which was cover dated February nineteen fifty four. So the first thing he worked on wasn't the first thing that got published. His first published work was actually a second professional story, which was only six pages and called Paper Romance. And this was in Daring Love Number no. 1, which came out in October 1953 and was published by key imprint Gilmore Magazines. Right, so these are, these are his first couple pieces then, I guess. Or yeah. the first piece and then... Pretty neat. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that his first piece, first professional piece was published second. Mm. But that happens, you know. 
after that, he found work at the studio of writer-artists Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And there he invented Captain America, right. among many others of your favorite heroes. And while there, he also worked as an assistant to Mort Meskin, who Dicko was an admirer of. Mm -hmm. um, and he learned a lot from Mort while he was there. And so it was around this time that he began a long association with the Derby, Connecticut publisher, Charlton Comics. And this was a low-budget division of a company that was best known for song lyric magazines. Hmm. Like musicals. Yeah. But for comics. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Though he began with them in 1954, he actually had to take a hiatus midway through the year as he came down with tuberculosis and went to Johnstown to his parents' home to recuperate. God damn, man. Yeah, this is it's, scary. It's crazy. Like TV And polio was still roaring then, too, I think. Yeah. Right? In the 50s? 50s. Uh, polio vaccine, Joseph Salk comes out right around, around then. then. Yeah. So... The world was a terrible time. Vaccinate your kids, guys. Vaccinate your fucking kids. It's not that hard. Why the yeah. fuck are we... I got a text from my friend Dan the other day saying, oh, we might have a kid with measles in Baltimore, like, in a school in Baltimore. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you, vaccinate your kids. It's not that fucking hard. People die from this shit, you jackasses. If we lose you as a listener for this, good. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't give a shit, anti-vax dickwad. Deserve to be beaten with a... Vaccines. Of, uh, okay. Socks full of vaccines. So, yeah. Because they have needles in them. Yes. Yep. Yep. Dicks. Yep. So, back to the story. Anyway, sorry. Glory. I just got mad. <laughs> Dicko worked on covers and stories for Charlton intermittently throughout the years. Until the company actually folded in 86. But while he was there, he co-created the character Captain Adam. Who is a pretty cool character, I guess. I don't know. I think it was his first, like, character he helped create this character character i'm thinking of he's bought by dc yes he's been yep. bought by dc yep, yep, yep. or and he's appeared in justice league the cartoon show justice league unlimited which is what was probably where i really started to cut my teeth on Looks loving like comics. he has like he's super the, powerful the dr manhattan logo on his chest yeah he's got an atomic like yep. doesn't the, the, the dr manhattan have on his head right He's got the, uh, the circles. Yeah. He's a bullseye, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. So, during this time, there's some belief that he participated in some other type of illustrations. and Some underground stuff. According to fetish art historian Richard Perez Seves, as detailed in his illustrated biography, Eric Stanton and the History of the Bizarre Underground, Dicko had a secret fetish art career. And it extended from 1953 into the 70s. So what? So what is uh? What is fetish art like? Can you, real quick, like? Go I over mean, that? I would assume it's like, fantasy, uh, like, like bondage, chemical BD porn stuff, or like that's more Japanese. That's but. that's Japanese more. I think it's yeah. more like BDSM yeah. and, kid sheds gray. Maybe, yeah. Comics. I mean, to a degree, yeah. Maybe like, oh, maybe some monster woman things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Horror, sexual fantasy, and according to. But according to Sevis, Dicko used an alias and produced bondish fantasy art for Irving Claw, who was the self-proclaimed pinup king of America. And he was one of the pioneers of fetish art in America. Like, porn... It's, it's porn magazines. Smut. <laughs> I think smut's one of my favorite words. I mean, I, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> There's something about the word smut. It really makes me, it makes me giggle. <laughs> uh, Agreed. In 1955, Ditko had recovered from his bout with TB, 
And he returned to New York City and began drawing for Atlas Comics. Precursor again tomorrow. To, yes. And he began working on several of their like famous titles that still ran. This was before they were like super, super into superheroes. Well, they were just moving into superheroes. So Atlas and Marvel started off doing like, like sci-fi, sci-fi stuff, yeah. horror. Cowboys was big. Right. The Two-Gun Kid and stuff like that. I think that was DC, but regardless. So he began working on Journey into Mystery, which, fun fact, is the first title that Thor appeared under. Really? And you could see it in the first Thor movie. There's um, a billboard for like visiting New Mexico, and it says, Take a Journey into Mystery. Oh, that's cool. That's a nice little Easter egg, huh? Yeah, yeah. Also, I totally forgot that Natalie Portman was in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, dude. It's, She's it's Jane just, Foster. It's just, uh, just remember that. Dr. So. Jane Foster. Have you seen The Dark World? I haven't seen yeah. The Dark World. Mm. Uh, I, like, you, I like the first Thor, and I love Ragnarok. Ragnarok's amazing. I haven't seen first The Dark Thor's, World. I love the first Thor. It's very Shakespearean, which I enjoy. Yeah. Um, the Dark World's not great. They really wasted Malekith, who's a great Thor villain. Mm. Um. And they wasted Christopher Eccleston, who's a great actor. Uh, you can watch it. There's stuff in there that's definitely important to like stuff that comes later. Yeah, it's I kind I kind of like fine. you can kind of get it by just uh, yeah. You don't really need to see it, but you get to see Renee Russo die, which is sad because hmm. she's fantastic in everything she does. Sorry, spoiler. Uh, yeah, it's for a movie that came out ten years ago. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, but. He also worked on other famous titles. Dicko also worked on other famous titles, such as Strange Tales, Amazing Adventures, Strange Worlds, Tales of Suspense, and Tales to Astonish. Hmm. So these are all titles that were larger titles that different superheroes would appear under. Right. At this point, they usually opened with a Kirby-drawn monster story, followed by one or two twist-ending thrillers or sci-fi stories drawn by Don Heck, Paul Ryman, or Joe Sinnott. And then they would often be capped off by... A surreal or sometimes self-reflexive short story by Ditko and Stan Lee. Very cool. It's like a it's like a, a, a Coachella lineup, <laughs> but for comic books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> oh man, they're gonna end with Beyonce. Holy shit! Let's go see it. I mean, yeah, kind of. Uh, well, I think Kirby's your your headliner there. Um. Yeah. Still really funny. That's <laughs> no, good. The Lee and Ditko stories were so popular, though. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Take that back. They're the Beyonce. Uh, that Amazing Adventures was reformatted to feature those kinds of stories exclusively. And beginning with issue number seven in December 1961, the comic was renamed Amazing Adult Fantasy to reflect its more sophisticated nature. Wow, that totally sounds like a porno mag. It totally That's sounds like amazing. a porno mag. Oh, this is great. Let's let's call it this. This is it, we're, we're refined now. Let's call it adult fantasy. It looks like... The billboards I see on 1115 driving <laughs> by Harrisburg. So many of them. There's so many. So many of them. The neon highway. It's really funny. Highway of smut. <laughs> um, Love that word. Its tagline was, the magazine that respects your intelligence. <laughs> see, out of context. <laughs> see, like, it, see, it, it sounds really like funny. It sounds like porn. <laughs> not but it sounds like it hilarious though i'm sure there were like scantily drawn clad women drawn in it probably so one of one of my first experiences with comic books just this money oh boy my dad uh my dad like i I love to read i read read all the time in the summer and i just love books so my dad being an amazing father because he is an amazing father uh I was like, all right, I'll, I'll buy you some, some cool stuff. So he, he mm-hmm. got some comic books. But he didn't know anything about comic books Oh, boy, what did he get? 
he, he, he was Did he like get Stripperella? No, I don't remember the name of it, but it was it was like this. Uh, it was like a graphic novel, but it was it looked from the cover. It looked like just a normal like sci-fi thriller, oh but it was just like just very nude, very <laughs> nude in the middle. I mean, he clearly never even opened it because he he bought it like with a bunch of other books. Too. Right, like just grabbed them. He just grabbed them. He's like, this looks cool. Like he's a sci-fi thing. Like my son, like kids like comics. Right, because you know, he didn't have comics in Albania. Like they just, right. it wasn't a cultural thing in Albania. So it's it's very much an American institution. It's very much an American thing. So he, he got Manga it, and, and yeah, I, I never told him about it. <laughs> I was like, this is cool. <laughs> like, boobs. I'm oh 12. <laughs> boobs are cool. I have an erection. <laughs> Why does my pee-pee feel weird? Yeah. So, so yeah, that uh, that's my... I forgot about that until... That's hilarious. Whole, yeah. yeah. Oh, was, my God. One of my, one of my early boob experiences were in, in, a, in, a, in a really bad kind. It, it wasn't was good. It wasn't it was good. Bad. Yeah, it wasn't good at all. But very violent. And, uh, a lot of blood boobs. and tits. Blood and tits. Yeah. A lot of blood and tits. Sounds like a star series. <laughs> uh, there is something interesting that came out of this amazing adult fantasy, though. <laughs> okay, sorry. Back back to reality. Yeah. This is considered one of the earliest examples of the Marvel method, which emphasized heavy artist-writer collaboration on the script for a comic. So, like, prior to that, or, or and at a lot of places, a writer would write a script and they'd say, You do this. You do, draw, draw this. Yeah. But this was them working together as collaborative storytellers. That's cool. Which is something that sets Marvel apart. That and they always... Because Marvel and DC are the big two. Right. Still. I mean, there's a lot of independent comics. Then and more so now. Uh, Way more now. Like craft beer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. One of the big things that people point to when differentiating between DC and Marvel is... Marvel made stories about people with powers, and they had people problems. DC mm-hmm. made stories about people who had problems because they had powers. Right. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, yeah. The whole Batman thing. Well, Batman's had money, but like, but like Superman, Superman has powers, example. has problems because he has powers. Right. right. He's a not fish, because he's from of, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas, like, have powers to fight evil. Right. Marvel's Marvel's fight, is fight evil. Like the the uh, Fantastic Four have problems because they're a family and families have problems. Mm-hmm. Like they fight, <laughs> you know, because Reed Richards is a dick. Sorry, he's a bad man. No, that's that's a good point to to bring up though. Cause, yeah, because I think what you're what you're gonna get at is that whole ideology probably comes from that relationship between the the the, the, the writer right and the artist, and it directly f- feeds into. Their most famous creation at Marvel, hmm. which in the early 60s, Stanley obtained permission from publisher Martin Goodman to create a new ordinary teen superhero named Spider-Man. Hey. So he actually turned to Jack Kirby first, because of course he did. He's Kirby. Right. Uh, to help him create it. And Kirby returned with this like six-page mock-up of a boy who finds a magic ring that gives him spider powers. And it's something that he had like worked on in the 50s and came back to. Hmm. And Lee hated it. Fucking hated it, saying the character was too heroic. Just another Captain America. I mean, right? yeah, magic Captain America, basically, with spider powers. Yeah. He had a spider ray gun that shot webs. Ah, okay. Cool. It's a little different than what we're used to with Spider-Man. Coming out of the hands. Right. Well, webs. <laughs> Just, sorry, Bill's face, he was horrified. He was absolutely horrified. He's like, no, 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 no. We don't say that. It's not, you don't well, fuck around. It's, it's, we, it's web shooters. I know. 
so funny. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is a... As much as I love... I love the first two Tobey Maguire movies. Coming out of his hands? It's a sexual thing. It's a... It's a Bill was really, really... He hit puberty. That's what it's about. Uh, sorry. It's fine. Everything's fine. Lee turned to Ditko. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is, is, is a creation of Sony... Basically, yeah, yeah, I, and then sure. and yeah, yeah. Um, there was a period in time where he, Marvel Comics dabbled with that because of the movie. Really? But, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, but Lee turned to Ditko, who developed a visual motif, which Lee approved. Though Lee did replace Ditko's original cover with one by Kirby. Really? Yeah. And Ditko said that Kirby Spider-Man had a web gun. And showed his face, and that the first thing Ditko did was develop the costume specifically with the soft texture of the, like, the boots, the hands, because he was like, right. he has clinging powers, he's a spider. Right. Like, hard-soled shoes would, would aren't, really work. Yeah, yeah, they don't make sense. Um, and he de- developed the hidden web shooters at the wrist, and a full face mask to hide the character's identity, which he was, like, nervous about, and Stanley mm-hmm. loved it. Right. And then, he also developed the spider signal, which, I don't know, like, do you know what the spider signal is? Just, like, the logo... Yeah, kind of like Batman. Batman. Yeah, it shows up at the end of Homecoming. And well, it's also in a in one of the games too, like the okay. old, old PlayStation. Yeah, games. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember which one it was. I used to love those games. Though. They were really good. Spider Man has some of the best stuff in Marvel Comics, like the Spider Buggy. Spider Buggy. Yeah, I know that. I know about that. He had a Spider Copter. There's also a panel where Thanos had a copter, and on it it says Thanos Copter on the tail. It's pretty funny. And he's just like on the nose. dropping bombs out of it, like but like di- like dynamite. Thanos wasn't always the most terrifying thing, I guess. <laughs> um, Dicko rarely gave interviews though, but he was known to say he would draw Spider-Man until something better came along, and that he hated to restrict himself to one character or style. Hmm. So I found it really interesting because like you don't be trapped by your own success. Yeah, true. Yeah. Also, it's like Marvel's most popular and lucrative comic for. A very long time. Right. Until, like, the X-Men become big with... Honestly, like, they were always pretty well selling. Same with Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. X-Men didn't become big till like, Wolverine and Storm and all of them were in it in the 80s. But from 58 to 68, Ditko shared a Manhattan studio at 43rd Street and 8th Avenue with notice that we're going to go back to the fetish stuff here, with noted fetish artist Eric Stanton, who was an art school classmate. Mm. And... They would often help each other with assignments when they were under pressure of a deadline. And in 1988, Stanton said he had almost no contribution to Spider-Man, other than working on storyboards and the webbing coming out of Peter's hands. Well, that's a pretty big one, though. That's pretty big. The webbing, yeah. Both of them, actually. So, Sevis, the historian, says that Stanton underplayed his role and contribution to preserve his friendship, friendship with Ditko, and there's also strong evidence that exists that says Stanton made uncredited contributions to Doctor Strange, who right. we'll Dicko also helped design. Right. Um, so it's interesting that it, Stanton might have had way more influence on Spider-Man than we think of. And I think it makes sense if he's doing... And actually for Dicko as well. If they're both doing fetish art, they're thinking about sexuality and, and human nature. Right. It makes sense with some of the... Things that Peter goes through as he changes, young, young adulthood, and, and yeah, and all that. And the teenager, the the webbing in the hands is like very clearly a, yeah, an ejaculation thing. Yeah, uh, so it's just interesting uh, stuff there. Also interesting, I want to note that in 1988, 
Ditko was still alive, and he would be yeah. for, for a while. And uh, if you're trying they, to preserve you, that friendship, their friendship, yeah, you know, it, it makes sense. But Spider-Man debuted in Amazing Fantasy number 15 in August 1962, which was Amazing Fantasy's final issue. Hmm. Interesting. But it was so popular, it sold so well that he received his own series, The Amazing Spider-Man. There we go. And that's what, like, we've all heard that. Uh, Lee and Dicko's run saw the introduction of some of Spidey's most famous, uh, some of the most famous members of Spidey's rogues gallery. And these include Dr. Octopus, as played by Alfred Molina. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Sandman, who was played by Thomas Hayden Church in, what, you looked at the movie? No, no, no. I'm on Spider-Man the, 3. Spider-Man 3, right, yeah. yeah. Spoiderman. Spoiderman. I'm Mr. Spoiderman. Uh, the Lizard, who... You've seen is Reese Ephens played him in The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. Right, right. Electro. Uh, is That's what's his face. Um, J.B. Fox? J.B. Fox, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the Green Goblin, who was played by Willem Dafoe with a manic craziness. Willem Dafoe is a treasure. One of my favorite things about the internet now is everyone's reference to Elon Musk just turning into the green guy. Yeah, it's so good. It's fuck so you, true. Fuck you, SEC. Bam. Um, he, all of these characters came out within like a four to five year span. Mm. So like, these are some of the most famous villains in so comics. It really built a, uh, a foundation for, for Spider-Man for the next 50 years. Yeah. I mean, they're still using them in stories today. Yep. I mean, they're clearly pulling from them for the movies. In mm. 65, Ditko began to receive plot credits for the stories after he demanded it from Lee. And Lee acquiesced, but so prior to that, he would only get illustrated credit. Right. But he was helping plot the stories. Like, he was creating these characters and working on it. And Lee was like, oh yeah, like, I guess you should do this. This It's at this point where I'm going to, Stan Lee, genius. Rest his soul. Not always a good man. <laughs> Especially when he came, over, came to screwing over artists and other comic book creators. He was a businessman. And... First and foremost, for Stan Lee. He was a damn good one, though. Well, he was a damn yeah. good one. But just wanted to throw that out there. And created so many beloved characters. And did have moral, like, other moral... Uh, upst- how to- Upstanding moral actions. Uh, yes. Like, Sans Soapbox was... You, there's one from the 60s where he goes back and he's like, Hey, like, everybody should just fucking love each other. That was what Captain America would do. It's the thing he used to do in each issue. A lot of issues. Hmm. But anyway, Ditko drew one of the most celebrated issues and panels of Spider-Man ever in issue number 33, which was published in February 1966. Uh, the panel in question shows Peter Parker trapped under heavy pieces of machinery. And finally, he, he's able to lift it off. Of, like, it's too, too heavy for him. Hmm. But he's finally able to lift it off of him by digging deep uh, regarding thoughts of his family and responsibility. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. Spider-Man's whole ethos. Um, and this is actually depicted in Spider-Man Homecoming to a degree. You remember that part where he's under all the concrete blocks, yep. the vulture yep. gets him? Yep. That's straight from the comics. Like when he's looking at the his, the reflection in the water, yep. straight from the comics. Yeah. Really, really well that's, drawn. That's a, that's a great uh, great performance by, uh, oh, by, Tom the, Paul by, did. by the guy too. Great. But yeah. So, uh, so if you like that movie, go check that out. Let's check out the artwork. It's online. You can find it free. Can you really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, this story was actually voted as number 15 in 100 Greatest Marvels of All Time, uh, pulled by Marvel readers in 2001. 
You know what I was thinking about in 2001? It was fourth grade, probably not much. Wild Wild West with, with Will Smith? Probably. Men in Black 2? My crustache. Um, I, had a, I had a crustache Osama in fourth bin grade. Laden? Yeah. Football. Yeah. Osama Bin Laden? <laughs> I wonder how many times I can say it before I get on a list somewhere. <laughs> Some sort of like auto-filter list. This is like... But like Apple Podcasts are like, hey, 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 hey let's do it. I said Bin Laden's name three times. So... Bam. Him. Bam. Spotify's... Oh, no, you said just... bam again. Oh, God. It's all thrown on the list. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Dicko also created, like I said, created Doctor Strange... And there, his surreal artwork is often lauded by other artists, though it's usually overshadowed by Spider-Man and popular knowledge. I don't think a lot of people even realize that, like, he created both Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think if you ask most, like, casual yeah, people, Stanley. they're going to say Stan Lee, and if they know a little bit, they're going to say Jack Kirby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was Dicko, PA born and bred. Uh, he also did pencil work on Iron Man in 1963 and 64, but it's unknown whether he or Kirby actually designed the costume. Oh, cool. After four years at Marvel, Ditko left. He and Lee no longer spoke and handled art and editorial changes through intermediaries. That's crazy. Wow. How do you how do you create something like, like that? It's like talking to divorce lawyers. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it's like. Yeah, that's crazy. I was thinking like kids in school would be like tell Anastas that I don't like them. Yeah, well that too. So but, I had the much more like grown up and terrifying thing. But wow. That's uh I didn't, I didn't know that. That's It's pretty crazy. Yeah. The fact that they're still creating iconic stories. Hmm. And it, well, and the your notes continue to and it's kind of yeah. It's I'll, I'll let you go into Yeah, it. it's, it's it's pretty sad. Sad is the word, yeah. Details of the rift are uncertain and in 2003 Lee said, "I never really knew Steve on a personal level." Which is like fine, like I work with a lot of people I don't know on a personal level. It's just you know, professional, that's yeah. fine. But also, you're creating art, which is a little, makes it a little weirder to and me, for, I guess. Exactly, because it's, it's, it's a, um, you have to share your, like, creative soul. Right. To use a random, like us. Thing that doesn't really mean yes, yes. We I, share everything. I know Bill. We share everything. Including food. <laughs> uh, a, a nice fruit spread downstairs for you, Bill. Yeah, I'm good. Pineapples, those. Nice pineapples. Pineapples, those. And blueberries. Gotta put it all on a pizza. Oh, yep. I love pineapple on pizza. Goes goes against the whole concept of fruits, but yes. Does not. It compliments. It's sweet and salt. Jesus. Yep. At Red so Robin, what, what's, you can get what? a bonsai burger that has a pineapple on it. It's amazing. Really? Yeah, it's delicious. It has teriyaki sauce. I like Red Robin. Same. Less tomato. Mm. Onion. Mayo. Anyway. Anyways. Uh, a popular theory was... Of, of the split was that they argued over the true identity of the Green Goblin. Mm. But Ditko later claimed it was Lee who broke off the contact and said it wasn't over disagreement of the Green Goblin because Lee never knew what was in Ditko's pages until he received them. Right. Which I don't find that surprising at this point. 60, uh, it's 70s when they're really going through, like, just pumping out comics like crazy. But it's starting in this period... Where they had so many titles, Stan Lee's known to be like, yeah, I would just like, they'd send me the pages and I'd just write it real quick and send it send it out. Hmm. He's like, I think they like, Jack Kirby slipped, It's a I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a legend that Jack Kirby slipped the Silver Surfer in there. Hmm. And <laughs> Stan Lee was like, why the fuck would we ever approve a naked guy in a surfboard flying through space? 
And when you say it like that, it's like, oh, oh yeah, that's man, what he yeah, is. that's what he crazy. Is. Yep, yep. But also, he's like one of their most iconic characters. <laughs> oh, I can just imagine his, his old man voice now yeah. saying that, which is, again... Oh, he pretty much always had that old man voice. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what are you talking about? Was I drunk? Stuff like that. In 2010, John Romita, who took over artwork on Spider-Man, said that Lee and Ditko just couldn't agree on anything ever. Like, that's why they didn't work. Like, he said something about they didn't agree on religion, they didn't agree on politics, they didn't agree on history, on cultural so institutions. It wasn't meant to be. Yeah, like, they just were oil and water. Hmm. And he was finally given a polite farewell in Fantastic Four number 52 in the bullpen bulletins in July 1966. They were just pretty much like, uh, he's a really talented guy. We're going to miss him. We wish him good luck. He's leaving for personal reasons. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Do you want, do you want to do the DC Comics there? I can or you can? You can do it. Yeah, I'll okay. do the end it's, it's shorter. Yeah. You can do it. Uh, so, when he left, he returned to Charlton Comics, where he worked on the characters Blue Beetle, The Question, and Captain Adam, who, like we said, he created. Right, yep. uh, he didn't create Blue Beetle or The Question, but he worked on them. Uh, Blue Beetle is a really old character and it was like a sci-fi guy and then changes to has gets alien tech that takes helps take over his mind and body he's been seen in young justice i don't know if anyone's watched the young justice show but he's pretty central on that he looks like a mixture of venom and um Here, i see. guess iron man yeah to a degree yeah, yeah. that's pretty, the design's really cool yeah. i love that design there's an older design where he's got like a mask and a cape and a ray gun yeah, well, yeah. He look. Yeah. He, he does look like. Just I'm looking through the photos, and there's some interesting, interesting uh, connections to like Iron Man and stuff. But yeah. anyway, the question is a detective. I don't think he has superpowers even, and he just wears a mask that has no eyes. Like he just pulls like a like a textured face mask over his like. So face. so like the um oh man. Where's a fedora? And well, an overcoat. What, what's what's uh what's that like kid th- kids thing that like people are afraid of? Um, Slenderman. Slenderman. Is that what you were referring to? Yeah. Okay. Like a no uh, no face. Yeah 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 no yeah. Face look fedora. look him up. It, I actually his design's pretty neat. It's it was like a th- mystery thriller kind of book. That's definitely looks like yeah. Looks like Slenderman. All right, that's creepy as shit. He's a superhero. Hmm. He's in a a pretty stellar arc or or series of episodes um in justice league unlimited that cartoon mm-hmm. network did that so charlton comics did that become dc dc acquires them yeah yeah you got to okay so in 67 he created the character mr a who was one of the only characters he owned entirely and kept the rights to hmm. and mr a appeared in wally wood's independent title wits end Number three, and the characters were known for taking a hard line against criminals and reflected Ditko's objectivist ideas. So he was an objectivist. Right, and I, and I go into that a little bit later as well, too, but okay. basically like Ayn Rand. Yeah, you know? exactly. And uh, I saw some stuff that said maybe Mr. A was a little more controversial because of this. Ditko didn't care. <laughs> kind of like, uh, um, the, oh shit, What's what was that uh, movie? Uh, it came out a couple times, but uh, Judge Dredd? Oh, Probably yeah. Judge Dredd a little bit. Dredd. Yeah. Did you see the new one with Carl Urban, though? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, it's cool as fuck. Is it? Yeah, it's really good. Lena Headey's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Queen Cersei. Mm-hmm. But Carl Urban's just so great as everything. Everything he does. 
And, uh, yeah, he's better than Stallone. Stallone was, yeah, not a great actor. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, he's not. Rocky's great. Yeah, but... First er- first Rocky's character. Then, you know, Demolition Man onwards. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to justify any of those things. <laughs> In 1968, Dicko went to DC Comics, and there he co-created the character The Creeper with Don Segal. The Creeper is like... I know the creeper. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised because I had to, I forgot the creeper. He's creepy looking for those of you. He's like green with crazy hair and he's got like super strange yep. stuff. He was a he was a circus dude. Yep. Yep. Yeah, his cape too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. the one, yeah, yeah. The cape. Yep. Like green and yellow, right? Yep. Yeah. Looks like the Joker, but but good. He's yellow. a hero. Yeah. And uh, these stories were visually striking and different from anything else DC was doing at the time. So they were pretty popular because of that. Um, he also co-created the team Hawk and Dove with Steve Skeets. And Skeet, Skeet, Skeet. Hawk and Dove is usually a pair of brothers. And they have, their powers work in tandem. And Hawk's really aggressive and Dove's like a pacifist. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah. But Dicko only stayed at DC for a short while. And he left in 69. Nice. nice. Always. And, every episode something and, happens in 1969. Always. Best I year of all time. Try to find it. <laughs> And uh, the reasons he left are uncertain, actually. They don't know why. I personally think he just had a wanderlust to him when it came to creation and didn't like being stymied by DC or Marvel. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really, he really he really, tried to just on his own. It's so hard. Thing, it was yeah. so hard then, though. Because he does work with several independent presses, including the Charlton. And in 1974, he did Liberty Bell. Remember we talked about Liberty Bell in the Liberty Bell episode? Right. But they were backup stories in E-Man, who's a superhero, and he created the character Killjoy for the same series. He also co-created the hero The Destructor with Archie Goodwin of Atlas and Seaboard Comics. Um, and in 75, he returned to DC and created the short-lived title Shade, the Changing Man. He also created the Sword and Sorcerer series Stalker and produced the first issue of the Man Bat series. And Man Bat's a hero. Hmm. But not Batman, obviously. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> he's like a man, he's a man with like bat characteristics, yeah. and uh, he worked on the Legion of Superheroes series as well as the Starman, and and also drew Starman in ad- adventure comics. He returned to Marvel in 1979, uh, taking over Machine Man from Jack Kirby and drawing the Micronauts as well as Captain Universe and Rom. Take that, Kirby. So, Micronauts and Rom were comics that Marvel produced because they got toy licensing from it. Oh, I like see. Like, they're the toys, and then yeah. they were like, hey, will you make comics they for us? Driven for- yeah, I gotcha. And Stan Lee was like, fuck yes, we will. I like money. Yep. Uh, he also worked on a Godzilla story that was changed into a Dragon Lord story published in Marvel Spotlight. And he and writer Tom DeFalco introduced the character Speedball in the Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Twenty Two in 1988. Speedball is a pretty popular hero still. Speedball. I'm just Let like me look up the whole episode. I've just been googling what these things are. Oh, all right. So if you type in Speedball, you get um, a mixture of cocaine and heroin. <laughs> it's, honestly, so, that's what I thought you were going to make a joke about at first. Hero. Yeah, I um, I don't. It was just such an easy layup, but it just it went over my face. I didn't even see it. Okay, Speedball is... He's blue he's, and orange. He looks like he's a mixture of the thing, so... He's got, like, 
uh, kinetic balls that he can throw and stuff at yeah, people. Yeah, and his like his uh, like wrists and boots look like textured from the thing, like the character. Oh uh, yeah, thing, doesn't do. it? It looks like that. He <laughs> he helped set off the Civil War event in the comics when he and the New Warriors uh, caused an explosion by a bus of school children in Connecticut. Right. So the comic so event's the, much darker than yeah. The, than so in the, the, in the movie. movie, it was it was an explosion that killed some people in uh, yeah. Um, I don't even remember what country it was in. It was Austria. Was it Austria? Yeah, they're at the okay. UN in and, Vienna. Right. 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 And also the Ultron thing from the right previous yeah. movie, the Accords. So. Yeah, the Sokovia Accords. But yeah, in the comics, it's Stanford, Connecticut, and mm-hmm. a school bus of children get blown up by the villain Nitro as the New Warriors failed to. Uh, subdue him and then he goes on this dark arc where he becomes redemption i think his name is or something like that revenant but where he wears a suit because he has like speed powers too right. he wears a suit that has uh <laughs> sharpened needles on inside it and every time it moves it cuts him and that's penance his name's penance huh yeah very dark yeah I've got, Indeed. it's very dark the Indeed. comic is much darker Hmm. Tony Stark sets up a prison in a parallel dimension or like a pocket dimension that he just puts heroes in without like trials. Judge Jury and Executioner. Yup. Judge Dread Iron Man edition. It's it's pretty yeah, it's pretty intense. It's a it's a great comic. Ending is lackluster. Just like the movie. You don't like the ending? Someone needed to die. Oh, Someone needed to fair. die. Yeah. But anyway. In the comic, they killed Bill. Spoiler alert. Bill Foster, who Lawrence Fishburne played in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ah. They, a, gotcha. cl- a robotic clo- Thor clone shoots him through with lightning. It's, hmm. or, well, like a hyper beam, basically. Like hmm. Bulbasaur. <laughs> All right, let's get back. Let's get back um, yeah, anyways. During this time, he also did, Kirby, or Dicko also did freelance work for the indie label Pacific Comics. And co-created the heroes Missing Man and the Mocker. Hmm. Mac- uh, Macarena. Oh, no. Yep. It's back. It's it's the only dance Autosauce does. Yep. So we've, got, like, we've taken him out to clubs or occasionally. The only one I even know is the Macarena. And, yeah, his wedding. Sometimes I'll whip the nae but Yeah, he does. Yep, yep. It's weird. It's every time. He nae on him. <laughs> you should see him dab. <laughs> oh, it's white. <laughs> it's bad. I just did it for for uh, for my non-benefit. Yep. Um, he also freelanced for Eclipse Comics and Archie Comics during the late '70s and '80s, and he worked on some of their superhero lines, which like Archie's comic superhero comic line was not popular because um, you know what else could you want but Jughead? Yep, exactly. I want some burgers. I've never read an Archie comic. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I know people love the show Riverdale. No desire. Yeah, I, I'm unfamiliar. In 1992, Ditko worked with writer Will Murray to create uh, one of his last original characters for Marvel, Squirrel Girl. Squirrel wow. Girl is amazing. Doreen yep. Green, the best. Like Doreen Green, like Doreen Gray. Doreen, D O R E E N. Just saying, it's close. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Um, I think her last wow, name's Green. It's hilariously, she's so cute. Is that what it's the unbeatable like? Squirrel Girl? Is that it? I mean, that's not his. That's... Let's see what that, this looks like. All right. But she's so adorable. She beat up Thanos once. Kicked his ass. Oh, I see. Like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah She yeah. has a squirrel... Really creepy eyes. She has a squirrel companion named Pip, I want to say. 
Nope, that's not uh, right. So I'm looking at a, at, a, like at a comic strip panel, and she's kicking Iron Man's ass. It's oh, hilarious. dude, she can kick. She kicks the shit out of a lot of like big time heroes and villains. It's hilarious. Also, in the comics, up until Robert Downey Jr. portrayed him, Iron Man was a fucking idiot. Well, not an idiot. He's smart. He's just an asshole. Mm. And I think Stanley designed him that way, up like saying something like, "I'm going to see if I can get people to like a pr- an alcoholic prick." <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, anyway, uh, throughout the '90s, he did a lot of one-off work, kind of for various publishers, including Marvel, Dark Horse, and Defiant. And he retired from mainstream comics in 1998, but did release a 32-page essay with new artwork in 2008 with Robin Snyder, who's a writer. Um, and over the years, Snyder, from his re- from Dicko's retirement, through Snyder released self Dicko's self-published materials in the same kind of like these books. Right. And... When they asked Dicko about it, he said he published this way because it was all they'd let him do. So that tells me that he pissed people off, which I, maybe you got into it in the personal life thing. No, I, I, he was just very detached, so that uh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, people didn't want to work with him, mm. which he's very talented, but... Well, when you burn that many bridges... Right, you know, which we haven't really talked about. Especially We've, the two big ones. Right, Marvel and DC. Like, yeah. just come in and be like, I'm, I'm out, I'm done. Yeah. You can't really like just hop between the two you back just, then. You kind of just run out. Yeah. So in 2008, a New York Times article stated, By the 70s, he was regarded as a slightly old-fashioned oddball. By the 80s, he was a commercial has-been, picking up wretched work-for-hire gigs. Following the example of Ayn Rand's John Galt, Ditko hacked out money-making work, saving his care for the crabbed objectivist screeds he published with tiny presses. And boy, could Ditko hack. Seeing samples of his Transformers coloring book at his big boy comic is like hearing Orson Welles sell frozen peas. That's hilarious. That's brutal. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, he had a he had a, a, a an interesting career in life, and the the references to his ideology, it's he gets beat up by it pretty bad. I mean, yeah, because it it goes into his personality and who he was and who he identified right. as. I mean. So I'll, I'll go into some little bits of his. Per- there really, honestly, isn't much about his personal life because he was a very he was, he was very private, very private, private man. And the people around him who spoke, I mean, it really makes sense when when Stanley's mentioned he didn't know him personally because like, he just didn't open he just up. Didn't, yeah. Uh, but you know, as of 2012, uh, Dicko Dicko was working up to, up until 2012 uh, in his Manhattan mid uh, midtown uh, neighborhood. He again, as mentioned before, he never gave interviews. But he, there was a quote back in 1969, again, nice, nice about about him and his and his lack of, of the public uh, mm-hmm. public you know interviews. He wrote, "When I do a job, it's not my personality that I'm offering the readers, but my artwork. It's not what I'm like that counts. It's what I did and how well it was done. I produce a product, a comic art story. Steve Ditko is the brand name. When you unpack that a little bit, I mean, the first part of it looks like." I'm not here to to show who I am. I don't right. want you to know who I am. And if you know who I am, you might not like me. Here's my artwork like that. You know, and it almost seems like he un- he understands that his personality isn't maybe isn't, not isn't something that people want to be around. Yeah, like Stanley was a personality. Yep. Stanley was the brand. And again, <laughs> like, you, you mentioned not a perfect man because no, uh, but man, he know, could sell. He could sell, and people want to be around him. Dicko was not that way. No, not at all. And you mentioned again with early with, with Snyder's books. He also contributed to to a, a fanzine called the Comics, mm. 
which um, I, I guess I guess that's a an offshoot of of the the big books that were yeah, coming out. Yeah, but he was kind of like you mentioned confined to just writing publishing through that avenue. right. Because he had just distanced himself from others. And and maybe been distanced as well because of his beliefs, which I guess is him distancing himself now that I... Exactly. And again, you know, you mentioned objectivism earlier. Uh, it's really like an Ayn Rand philosophy. It was detailed in The Fountainhead, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's it's very cut and dry, black and white. And the world doesn't really view things that way. You know? No, some people do. They shouldn't. Yeah. Um, he was never married. Uh, he, has, he has no surviving children time of his death right um, he, again he died very recently and i'll go into that as well um there the uh there's a um will eisner who i think you mentioned earlier yeah he's he, an artist he uh, he mentioned that ditko may have had a son out of wedlock but this is likely a confusion so ditko has a nephew that's also named Stephen ditko okay uh and uh it's again not his son but it may have been confused as right being you know, directly. Yeah, just being like, oh, wait, shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in 2012, Dicko mentioned that he had received no income from any of the four Spider-Man movies that were released at that point. Okay, so and, the Tobey Maguire's and the Andrew Garfield. And yeah, the one Andrew Garfield at the time, I think. A neighbor of Dicko's actually mentioned that Dicko was receiving royalty checks about it, so I don't know why. First of all, I don't know why the neighbor would know that, how he would know that. and Yeah, that's weird. It's a little weird to say that. And also on the other end, why would Dicko like mention that out of the right. blue? You know, so it is odd. I mean, I, I it's, it's a weird story. Uh, and he probably didn't get any. I doubt he did. I know either. Kirby's people had to fight pretty hard to get. Yeah, because because the story is bought by from Stanley. The storylines, right. I guess he gets credit for. Uh, and it's really similar based off film. You know, with Doctor Strange, kind of probably his second most famous for sure. character. I, I'd say it was the people that made the film and the producers apparently never contacted him during the production stage uh they just they believe that he wouldn't that they the production team wouldn't be welcome to mm. speak with him like he didn't want to speak with him so they just didn't even try which again it's another like little piece of evidence that goes to say that like no one wanted to be around this right guy. like he, he shut himself off yeah everyone he's kind of an unresponsive prick unresponsive exactly and uh oh god did you uh did you say unresponsive i, I did not see it in the wow. notes so oh. I, I wrote here so Ditko was found unresponsive in his apartment in New York on uh, June 29th of 2018. So, holy shit, Bill. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he, he passed away. Uh, he, he died within the last two days, so it's really hard to know the exact date, but between June 27th and 29th, he, right. he died. I remember it. Like I don't know if you do. No, I mean, I, I remember, because Lee's was, was the, like, the year before that, right? Or a couple months before that, I think? When, Lee, when? Lee was after. Lee was after that? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I think... Yeah, well, he, he died of, um, uh, the cause of death was deemed as a, uh, a myocardial in, in infection or a, um, or a hypertensive cardiovascular disease. It, you know, he had a heart, heart failure. And the final words of uh, Ditko's last essay, which was yeah. actually... Yeah, it was November. It was November? Gosh, it was after that. So uh, Ditko wrote in, uh, in Down Memory Lane, which is a, um, an, an essay that, he po- that was published after he died in February of this year, actually. Mm-hmm. He, quote, he was quoted as uh, an old toast. That's how he, like, he wrote it. Like, yeah. Uh, and he wrote, here's to those who wish me well and those that don't can go to hell. So yeah, he uh, seemed like a very negative, negative Nancy. Yeah. Negative, neg- negative Nelly. Which is funny because, well, actually, I take that back. Spider-Man's pretty, like, 
a hallmark of Spider-Man comics is the negativity around Spider-Man. Yeah, around him. Yeah. yeah. It's so. still like a... It's weird when you think about the character or people that you... Like your heroes, right? That you would yeah. think like, oh, don't don't ever know your heroes. Don't meet your heroes. It's a case of don't meet your heroes. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad, but... Yeah, that's the way it is. Well, he's a, he's a Pennsylvania icon for sure. For sure. Though, even though, you know, you could you want to just give him to New York and make him New York's? So, I... Uh, <laughs> kind of thinking that <laughs> you can keep him new york we'll take uh we'll take his artwork we'll take his artwork you keep his personality <laughs> do you fits, um fits your city just as well fits <laughs> pretty well. pretty well too uh do you want to do you want to dive into our um you want town, our, name? Our town name i've got normalville 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 pa where's normalville pa southwest it's zip code is 15469 it's in Fayette County. So when you Google, all right, this is hilarious. When you Google Normalville, and sorry if you live out there, you see uh, an image of a broken, of a, of a, yeah. torn, a torn down bridge. Yeah, I, I saw that. That's all you see. Oh. Wow. Um, oops. It well, is it, yeah. apparently named after a normal school that was out there, which is a teacher school. school gotcha. Which makes sense. But yeah, Normalville. That's. It sounds like like it's been a comic book. It's not like it a name like you yeah. find in a comic book, like, right? Oh, it's in Kansas somewhere, Normalville, Kansas. It's where Spider. It's where uh, Superman was raised. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you'd say, but the abnormal happens here. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say, or it could be like a detective piece where it's yeah, it's 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 subverse name where it's definitely not. We a, here in Normalville just live normal lives, simple, placid folk. We go out to the farms and take care of the cows. But there's something underneath. <laughs> the rugged under the, the dangerous underbelly of the layers of normalness. You find the abnormal. Have you seen the, uh, the new Todd Zones that have come out? No, I, but I've heard it's I'm good. Not gonna, uh, sorry, CBS, I'm not going to shell out extra cash. No, fuck that. To watch the, the, um, your show, but... I've heard it's good, though. I'd, I'd watch I love Jordan Peele. It's on, uh, yeah. Is he, is he just like the MC the, of it? He's the host. The Rod Sterling. Of, of, uh, of, of, time. of, of our generation. Uh, and it's been a lot of comedians on it. Really? Yeah. Like who? Do you know? Adam Scott was on it. Um, oh, a couple others. Cool, cool. But yeah, I've heard it's good. I'm not paying for another streaming service. Uh, I've had. I, don't I, have I, it. I may do Disney because of the because it's all the Star Wars. Thomas is going to do that. But I do. He does Hulu and that. I do Netflix and mm. uh, Crunchyroll because we're uh, filthy weebs. Filthy, filthy weebs. <laughs> Oh, but the the, the uh, I watched quite you, a bit of anime hungover yesterday. <laughs> Saved my life. What's your favorite thing to do when you're hungover? Just watch, like, watch anime. Just anime. Is that literally your favorite thing? <laughs> yeah. To do? Mine. Read, read comics or watch anime. Get a cheesesteak and chill. Well, I was actually. That's so funny. You said cheesesteak. Dude, fuck you, man. My favorite thing to do is just like lay down, get a burger, and just like watch sports. Yeah, I mean, and there just, was no. Veg. I could have watched the Kentucky Derby yesterday, but I fell asleep. Yeah, I, I squinted. You, the uh, you the listener won't be able to know this, but I when he said connecting everybody, I squinted. I'm like, you fuck. I like horse racing. Do you? Yeah, mm. like not for betting purposes. I was gonna I say just like enjoy horse racing, even though it's scummy and dirt baggy. It's too. Uh, it's it's too. I was gonna say scummy and dirt baggy, but also like too short lived. Like your sex life. Without the payoff. 
like your sex life. But I'm title of your sex tape. That's good. That's good. That's short lived without a payoff. Uh, I think that about does it though. For uh, I think so. Yeah. Do you, do you have a. Um, you know our social medias. You have social medias for us. Yep. You can find us at Uncommonwealth P on Twitter, at Uncommonwealth Podcast on Instagram. Our Facebook page is Uncommonwealth Podcast. You can email us at uncommonwealthpodcast at gmail.com. You could come up with a panel of objectivist and Randian ideas. <laughs> Send it to us. <laughs> Illustrated, preferably. We will look at it and say, this is fucking bunk. Tear it up. You Send, libertarian asshole. Send it back and say, do better next time. You could w- send pictures of yourself in a Spider-Man suit. Please fully clothed. Um, I was going to say take the crotch out, but that's I, either way. Hmm. Your own choice. Please fully clothed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can get a hold of us that way. You could web your way here. Yep. You, you Interweb your way to us. You could do that. Spider web. Uh, you, you could... Uh... Save Mary Jane from the Green Goblin. Or what's what was the other one? Gwen Stacy's Gwen the Stacey. one who dies. Gwen Stacy's the one that dies. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. She falls falls off the clock tower. Peter yeah. tries to catch her, snaps yep. her neck. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Well, he she gets thrown. She doesn't she's not doesn't fall. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Never came, one of the few deaths that hasn't been reversed. Hers and Uncle Ben's. Though there is a Gwenpool now, but she's pretty dope. Also not Gwen Stacy. Gwenpool? She's like a like a Deadpool? Yeah, but Gwen. Hmm. She's um, from another universe. It's comics. Are comics popular. are interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, well, there's all kinds of crazy shit that it would take six podcasts to. Yeah, and that's not going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. unless it's all related, unless it all happens in Rittenhouse Square, not happening. Oblivion Songs in Rittenhouse Square. It's written by Robert Kirkman, who did The Walking Dead. Oh. It's Philadelphia. And the whole concept is they created a machine that transplanted half the city, like, physically the people and the buildings to an alternate dimension and brought that dimension's denizens here and they're all like monstrous interesting it's it's been pretty good i'm gonna go amc that's your next show right i'm sure they probably like it's already getting optioned yeah surprising it's philadelphia is not like a character in this in the comic you know what i mean now sometimes like like a city will become yeah yeah it's it's just a setting it feels like i'm hoping that changes uh, the ghost of William Penn is the key to, to it all. That would be amazing. But I'll be reading it. I'll be like, oh shit, I've been there. Oh shit, I know where that is. That's really cool. Was, uh, I don't remember, did you, have you read the Walking Dead comics? Like, no, it, there's so uh, many. I was, was going to say if it was like set in uh, Atlanta, the first one or not, but. I don't know. I don't know. I know it's a lot in the south. But Good old Piedmont area. Nice part of the country. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that about other things. That episode, does it. Though. Yeah. Um, very again, very topical comics. Yeah. And uh, hashtag Marvel. And if you haven't seen the Avengers at this point, I don't. I mean, I'd feel really bad for you because the co- the spoilers will be a coming. Yeah, like we're not those very we're soon. Not doing it, but I'm sure people will talk about the um, the Ant Man but asshole thing. And, I mean, and, yeah, we did tell you that one, I guess. And, huh? uh, and the Gamora Macarena. Yeah. But sorry, we just well, had to let you know. <laughs> thank thank you guys be, for listening, though. Got to be prepared. And because uh, uh, right, there's because there's some things that I could say that like would sound like those ridiculously stupid spoilers, but they actually are spoilers. I know, which are crazy. But all right, well, well all right. thank you guys for listening. Then. And um, and um, this has been Honest Now. This has been Bill, and we've been the Uncommon Podcast. Bye. Bye.